Jesus is risen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because as, as we all kind of are, are in different places this morning, as we've been for a few weeks, it's interesting because this probably more accurately reflects what the disciples experienced that first Easter. Because the very first Easter in the morning, the knowledge of the resurrection was not really out there. In fact, the followers of Jesus, those that were left, were scattered. They were in hiding. And behind locked doors, they were afraid of what might happen to them because of the crucifixion of Jesus. Their mood wasn't an anticipation or a celebratory mood. It was somber and questions lingered of what might become of them. In fact, not only that, but, but it's almost like nature felt out of control. Because that morning there was a great earthquake, which probably added to their fear and, and, and their anxiety. It wasn't a picturesque sunrise like we think in the pictures that we see of Easter morning. The first Easter, there was really no gathering. There was probably little singing, only reflective questions and grief. And we see that in the, in the narratives where Mary went to the tomb and, and she was grieving and crying. But here's the thing. When it is darkest, it is easiest to see the light. It's so interesting that... Uh, in the past couple days since Good Friday, uh, I've been hearing from all kinds of people that the service on Good Friday was possibly the best Good Friday service they've ever been a part of. And it's so interesting that that's the comment from so many of us. And I think the reason is because we're in a time of some uncertainty. We're in a time that many people are, are, are stuck in darkness. But because of that, it's really easy to see the light. It's really easy to recognize the light that Jesus has brought into the world and what Jesus is doing. And, and, and so really, what, what's so awesome and what's so cool is that God even shows us his faithfulness in moments where we feel like he's, he, it seems like maybe he's not doing anything. Yet Friday night, we were able to, as a community, join together and not just sing and hear from God's word, but we got to see God's faithfulness in the sky and in the sun and all around us. You see, that morning, uh, uh, that first Easter, there was a few women who went to pay respects to, to, to Jesus in the tomb and they were given hope. A group of disciples were locked in a room and, and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, showed up and, and he brought them hope. The odds were against them as, as they thought about the future. Jesus was crucified and the movement seemed to be canceled. But in the words of the great space explorer and possibly greatest Starfleet captain in all of history, Jean-Luc Picard, Hope and odds make poor bedfellows. 
You see, Easter is not about adding a little meaning to our otherwise pitiful lives while we live. It's not about giving us mere pastoral comfort in the midst of a pandemic. It is about God's decisive act to save sinners through the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ to save those sinners, as the Bible says, to the uttermost. And so we are raised with Christ to a living hope. Jesus brings us to a place of life and hope and victory. And so if you have your Bibles this morning with you, turn to to 1 Peter chapter one. And and Peter says in in 1 Peter chapter one, in verse three, which is where we're gonna start, he says this, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I wanna frame where we live and where we are today. Because we are living in the midst of of two huge, decisive victories. The first victory that we live between is the resurrection of Jesus. What we celebrate today, what we remember today, the resurrection of Jesus, which brought forgiveness and salvation to anyone who'd be willing to surrender their lives to Jesus. And you see, that's already happened. That's happened. That's what we're looking back on. We're looking back on the resurrection of Jesus as the victory that we live within. The second victory that we live between is the return of Jesus. And that is the redemption of our bodies and inheritance. When we, in bodily form, are raised or are present with Jesus in the flesh, and we receive the inheritance that is waiting for us. And that's coming soon. <laughs> that's not happened yet, but it is a sure thing. It's as sure as Jesus rising from the dead is his return. So it, might, have all, it might, might as well have already happened because it is such a sure thing. But you see, we live our lives between victory one, which is the resurrection of Jesus, and victory two, which is the return of Jesus. And so really this morning, what I wanna share with you is what it looks like for us to live between those two victories. And, and Peter describes it so well by saying, what, what we have between those two victories is living hope. He says in verse three that we were born again to a living hope. Hope is what defines the time between victories. And I want you to understand the context of what, what, when Peter says we're born again to a living hope, what he means by that. Not only do we have a living hope in Christ, that Jesus is hope that lives before us, but even more so, we are living hope. We are actively living out hope in this time between. That's where we live. That's where we are. You see, living hope is an action we are in right now. Living hope is the action that we are about. We live hope because of the resurrection of Jesus, victory one, and the return of Jesus, which is victory two. And so we are, we are like, it's, it's a verb. It's we are living hope in that time. That's what defines our life. And, and so there's, there's actually three questions and answers in this text that, that Peter writes 
And so again, looking, looking at what he says in verse three, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, the, the question might be, what is the reason for living hope? The first reason for living hope is that we have a new birth. He says that we've been born again. And you see, that birth was absent before, but present after what Jesus did on the cross, that he gave his life for us and he raised from the dead. And so one of the reasons we have living hope is because we have been born again. We have this new birth. Secondly, it is because of God's great mercy. God's great mercy that, that at the very beginning he would see fit to save those sinners, that he would definitively act to forgive our sins and bring us salvation. And so because of God's great mercy, there is a huge, that is an incredibly humbling thing. Everything we have, everything we have is from mercy. And finally, he says in verse three, that it's because of Christ's resurrection from the dead, which makes our new birth possible. Because Jesus died in our place and because he rose from the dead, it actually brings all of this together so we can have a new birth. And it's because of God's mercy that we've experienced this. Keep reading in verse, verses four and five. We go on and Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, that the second question might be, what is the future benefit of living hope? What does is, what is living hope result in? As we live in this in-between victories, what does living hope look like for us in the future? And what it looks like is a durable inheritance. And I say durable because it's an inheritance that is not, it is not weak, it is not faint, it is not passing, it is not fragile, but it is durable. In fact, the way Peter describes our inheritance, which is everything that God has, he includes us in. And, and so this durable inheritance, Peter describes it, its character is that it is imperishable. It, it will never disappear. It won't ever fail. It is undefiled. There is no sinfulness, no defect, and nothing to jeopardize its greatness. And it is unfading. It won't become less glorious, but it will become brighter and brighter. It is a durable inheritance. And then, and then he says this, which is super interesting. Listen to, what, listen to what Peter says. He says, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He talks about two things. He says, one, being kept for you, referring to our inheritance. And so our inheritance is guaranteed by God himself that inheritance is being kept for us in heaven. So it's secured, it's guarded, it's, 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 it's being kept by God himself. But what's cool about that is, is if someone were to keep something for you, it's your job then to go and claim it. 
It's like when people get a call that they've won a prize, but, but you have to be present to win or, or you have to answer the phone to, to get the prize, to claim it. But, but you see, that's not how it works with this inheritance that God has given to us when we have surrendered our lives to Jesus. Because the inheritance is being kept for us, but it says, who being guarded by God, which changes the, the focus and it says, not, it's not about the inheritance anymore, but it's about us. That we are being kept through faith for that inheritance. So not only is God keeping that inheritance safe and ready for us, but he's also keeping us guarded through faith, ready to receive what he has prepared for us. You see, God is the one who's doing all the keeping through this. Not only did God send Jesus to die and pay for our sins and do all the work for salvation, but he also, on the other side, He's doing all the work of keeping what he promised us and keeping us for that time so that we will safely arrive in the location that he's called us to. And, and, and so that's what the future benefit of this living hope is. That's what we have to look forward to. And then maybe the third question is answered in, in, in verses six through nine, which is what is the present benefit of living hope? What is the present? Because what are we living in now? Look at what he, what he says in verse six. Peter says this, he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Through, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, the present benefit of living hope is this window that we live and it is what we experience. One, we have inexpressible joy for what God has done for us. What is he doing in us? What he is making us into better reflection and imagers of Jesus Christ. But he says, but for a while, you may be facing sorrow or temptation or grief. There's this temporary sorrow and grief that we experience in the, between the victories. There's joy that does not negate our sorrow, but it travels with our sorrow and with our grief. And we think right now and today and where we are in, in this season and in, in our world around us and our culture and really globally, we are in a time of increasing sorrow, which maybe is, is the loss of some, some movement and freedom, but then as it gradually increases to maybe the loss of a job or, or even to the, to, the, to the really significant things of, of losing a loved one. But remember that that's temporary. And remember that we're living hope between victories. But, but, but it doesn't, he doesn't leave it there. What he says, and listen to what he says, is this, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that, 
you can have conquering faith so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. And then that moves, that conquering faith moves to this place of of we love God because what he's done, even though we haven't seen him and we believe God because of his faithfulness. That we love and believe him because of what he's done and what he's promised to do. And it brings us back to what Peter says, inexpressible joy. You see, our time in this moment between victories is bookended by inexpressible joy and joy actually goes all the way through. It's woven through the whole thing. You see, the hope that we live between victories is characterized by faith in Jesus, refined by trials, resulting in a deeper love and joy and belief because of the salvation we have received from Jesus Christ. This is why we celebrate the victory of Jesus' resurrection and look forward to the victory of his return. My prayer this morning for every single person who's watching or listening is that you and I will live hope that we can look back to the resurrection of Jesus and the victory that that procured and we can look forward to the return of Jesus. We don't know when, but but we are guaranteed that it's coming. And between those two points that we are living hope, we are active. We are actively living hope. And, And the way to live hope is through surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the the, the worship team back up. But as they come, and as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, if you are listening or watching this morning and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, you say, you know what? I haven't recognized the resurrection of Jesus and I certainly don't have hope in the return of Jesus. And in between those things that you've talked about, I don't know what fills those things. I don't know what fills that time in between. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, right now is the best time to do it. That if you want to experience living hope, if you want that to define you, if you want to to really live between victories, then this morning it's time to give your life to Jesus. And what that takes is simply this. It's a recognition that that I am fallen and I'm sinful, that I've rebelled against God, that I haven't honored him as the creator and redeemer. And, and, And that I recognize that I am sinful. And once you've recognized your sinfulness, handing that over to Jesus, Realizing, understanding, and recognizing that Jesus Christ gave his life for you to pay fully and finally for your sins. That there's nothing you could do in the past or in the future or today that would separate you from the forgiveness that Jesus offers. 
And so to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins and I want to surrender my will for your will, my life for your life. And I want to live the rest of my life surrendered in serving you in the fellowship of the body of Christ. And one day soon, physically together with the body of Christ. If, if you want to do that, if that's your desire this morning, or if you've done that this morning, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you and you've surrendered yourself to Jesus, we would love for you to text 555-888 to CP Prayer and let us know that you surrendered your life to Jesus. Because we wanna, we wanna call you, we wanna contact you, we wanna, we wanna celebrate with you. Because Jesus loves you. And he's given everything so that you can be with him. You see, those of us today, as we've gathered for a remembrance of the resurrection of Jesus, we have a living hope and you are a living hope right now. Why? Because of God's great mercy and because of Jesus who is raised from the dead. We are living hope because we have an inheritance that will not fail or be threatened by anything, by thieves or by virus. So today we love Jesus, believe Jesus, and rejoice in Jesus. And maybe the best of all, God himself is keeping you for the rest of your life, for all eternity. We of all people have reason to celebrate and live firmly grounded with the most hopeful of attitudes. Jesus is alive which makes it possible for us to be alive. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done. We thank you that you willingly laid down your life so that we could be forgiven of sins that we could never pay for. And that your victory and resurrection secured our salvation so that we can live out hope today, not connected to our circumstances, but guaranteed in our relationship. And Jesus, we look forward, we so look forward to your return when you will make all things right. And we will see you face to face. Until that day, Jesus, may we live hope. May we be living hope. And may the world around us see that and give praise and honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.